Welcome to the message for February 13th. Our scripture for today comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 6, verses 17 through 26. Jesus came down with them and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all of Judea, Jerusalem, and the coast of Tyre and Sidon. They had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases, and those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. And all in the crowd were trying to touch him, for power came out from him and healed all of them. Then he looked up at his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude you and revile you and defame you on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for surely your reward is great in heaven, for that is what their ancestors did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all speak well of you, for that is what your ancestors did to the false prophets. Let us pray. Almighty God, you came into this world in the person of Jesus Christ to restore your order to your creation. And Lord, even now you're at work among us doing the same thing. Lord, help us to be a part of what you're doing in setting your world right side up through the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. What if we have it all wrong? What if we've spent our lives chasing after the wrong goals? Maybe it's time for a mid-course correction. What if we're wrong when we search for security through prosperity? It's been more and more on my mind lately as I race towards retirement in the next eight years or so. I wonder, will I have enough for Melissa and me to live comfortably for the rest of our lives? Will we be able to enjoy those years without constant fears of balancing the budget? Those are real concerns, and many of you are already there. There's nothing wrong with fiscal responsibility. In fact, it's wise, and in other places, Jesus encourages our wise financial decisions. But we can't ignore the, passage, the warnings of this passage. We can't ignore the warnings in this passage. Woe to you who are rich. Woe to you who are full. What is our proper relationship to wealth? More importantly, what is our proper relationship to people outside of our socioeconomic status? A friend and colleague recently made an observation that I just can't get out of my head. Like me, he lives over in the 35406 part of town, the the more affluent part of Tuscaloosa. He confessed to me that when he hears of a shooting in West End, his immediate reaction is that it doesn't really affect him. He doesn't know anybody over there. That sounded far too familiar for me. Uh, I don't know anybody that might be impacted by the negative action that happens in the West part of town, and it's easy for me to dismiss it. It's not my problem. It's not affecting me or mine. But that doesn't seem like the Christ way to be, does it? 
If Jesus is right, we may be wrong. I used to say that Jesus and his followers turned the world upside down, but that's not exactly true. They didn't. They actually turned the world right side up. They were restoring the created order. In this sermon, Jesus describes a riding of the ship, of putting things back in the way that God intended them in creation. God created all things and called them good, and he, he created all of us to live in harmony with one another. Our failure to love and care for one another has distorted that perfect order of the creation. When Jesus came into the world in the incarnation, his purpose was to begin restoring that order, to, to take things back to what God's original intent was. And it's what he's talking about in this sermon today, in Luke's version of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus' sermon is an indictment against a worldview that treats some people as more valuable than others. That wasn't part of the plan. That's not the way that God set things up. And Jesus is speaking out against those rules and customs and traditions that value some people more than others. It's an indictment against the selfishness of our times. Jesus announced a different kind of kingdom. The poor are rich. They inherit the kingdom of God. The hungry are filled. The weeping rejoice. Uh, all of those who seem to have been left out by the structures of the modern world find their place in the kingdom. Jesus stands with the poor and the oppressed, the, uh, the outcast. Meanwhile, those who oppose Jesus' vision are left poor, hungry, and weeping. Those who benefit from oppressive systems in our culture, those who have the privilege of everything going their way in our society, uh, are left out. Things, as things begin to balance, they seem to lose out. They are poor and hungry and weeping in today's text. Uh, now that makes me kind of nervous because Many of us, most of us, are among those who have benefited from oppressive systems. We have had the privilege of eating and drinking and laughing while our sisters and brothers around the world are suffering. Is it we that Jesus is talking about? Jesus felt strongly about the idea the church should definitely pay attention. I have caught occasional glimpses of what that kingdom looks like. I have seen heaven touch, heaven touch earth, and it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. I've had the opportunity of being a part of seven or eight mission trips to Mexico where we built church buildings in impoverished communities. I, each time I spent days with people living in poverty that I had never seen before. It's nothing that I was familiar with from this country. People that live in tiny stick huts, they literally, to form the walls of their houses, they, they stick sticks into the ground and tie them together, and then they top it with a thatch roof, roof made of leaves and limbs sewn together. Uh, We've lived in those places where people make nearly nothing. There's almost no opportunity to go to school. They live off of what they can 
managed to get out of the ground, and often that's not much. The poverty was overwhelming, and yet in those same places, I've seen incredible joy. I've seen joy in the lives of people in the worst of conditions. I've watched families come together, and I've heard the laughter as they talked with one another, and I've seen that that happiness really is not summed up by our wealth. And then on every trip, I've witnessed Jesus' sermon in action. I've witnessed these words that we read today played out in action. On the last day, in each trip, every time on the last day, our rich team members begin giving it all away. When they realized, when our folks on our team realized how blessed we are, how much we have access to, and they're confronted with how little our sisters and brothers in another country have to live on, the Spirit, the Spirit always moves our folks to do something to level things out, to, to even up the score somewhat. Our folks on our team always wind up giving away their stuff. Nobody asks them to. The locals don't ask for it. We don't ask our team members to do that. They are moved by the Spirit to level out the playing field. I've seen them give away clothes and tents, suitcases, money. I have literally had team members come back to the United States with nothing but the clothes on their backs. The Holy Spirit moved them to a generosity that wanted to give away, that wanted to write this injustice about which Jesus speaks in the sermon. Now, I know we don't want to talk about redistribution of wealth. It's a nasty topic for us. We never want to talk about redistribution of wealth. But Jesus does. How willing are we to follow? What would it look like to embrace Jesus' kingdom vision? You know, Lent's just a few weeks away, and it provides an excellent opportunity for us to explore kingdom living. Many of us will work on personal piety, and that's good. We'll give up something for Lent, maybe chocolate or soft drinks. We'll spend more time in study and in prayer. But let's not stop with personal holiness. Let's advance beyond it to social holiness as well. Let me invite you to three Lenten disciplines rooted in Jesus' kingdom vision as he shared it in this sermon from Luke. Three Lenten disciplines that might just change our lives. Number one, give generously and wisely to the poor. Understand that sometimes our gifts can be used to enable bad behavior. Sometimes that's an excuse to not give at all, but let's do away with the excuse and still give. Give generously through one of our many mission opportunities here at Forest Lake or give directly as you have the opportunities to do so in ways that will genuinely help. Let's give sacrificially. Let's give up something that we have so that those who have less might be blessed. Number two, build a relationship with someone outside of your race or socioeconomic status or sexual orientation or gender identity or ethnic group or nationality. We've drawn so many lines in our culture. And once the lines are drawn, we tend to start throwing bricks at the people that are in the other group. But let's tear down the walls. Let's cross those lines and let's build some relationships. How will we care for those whom we don't know? 
How will we truly love people that we've never taken the time to encounter? Let's get to know one another. Those relationships will change their lives and ours. And then third, get involved in hands-on ministry as you're able. Find a place to, to actually do something that will improve someone's life. Serve at a soup kitchen if you have the opportunity. It's incredibly powerful to look in the eyes of the people that you are serving. Help with hospice bird feeders if you're here locally uh, and part of that ministry that we do at church. Uh, help bless the people that are in their final days in this world. Uh, our late service here at Forest Lake, our 1115 service, very frequently offers mission opportunities where you can do hands-on mission as a part of worship. But find an opportunity to do something with your hands and your heart to improve someone else's world. Those three disciplines, giving generously, building relationships, and serving one another, <clears throat> will begin to transform us. More importantly, it will begin to transform our world into Christ's kingdom. Jesus is calling us to continue his mission of turning this world right side up. Amen.